Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. I'd like to welcome my listeners in the United States and around the world. This is Good Morning New York Real Estate, and I am Vince Rocco. On our show today, powerful, meaningful, daring design is one is at the core of LeMay and Escobar's highly customized approach that speaks the language of New York City and every other place it transforms. For over 20 years, high-profile clients in all five boroughs have come to expect the firm's unwavering design excellence with a value-adding twist. LeMay and Escobar integrates architecture, interior design, master planning, and landscape architecture, creating stunning, seamless human environments of all kinds. I'm going to ask Andreas about all of this and all of his current uh, New York City projects in a minute. Also today, when it comes to listing your home for sale, generating buzz and interest at the outset can be the difference between success and failure. There is a ton of data that indicates the direct relationship between time on the market and selling for the highest possible price. All of this and more as Good Morning New York gets underway on this Tuesday morning. We are live from New York. Uh, And in the news this morning, with up to 400,000 New Yorkers expected to return to the workforce under the city's phase one reopening yesterday, the Metropolitan Transportation Authority wants to add 60 miles of dedicated bus lanes to alleviate crowding. In a letter to Mayor Bill de Blasio, Sarah Feinberg, the interim president of the New York City Transit, wrote a robust bus system will be, uh, she said rather, a robust uh, bus system will be crucial for the city's rebound from the coronavirus pandemic. In some good news, a record 2.5 million jobs were added in May, an amazing number considering economists were looking for a decline of about 8 million jobs. The unemployment rate fell to 13.3%. As states began to reopen, more signs of recovery are emerging. In manufacturing, for example, activity rebounds. Visa is reporting rising consumer spending, more evidence that the uh, economy has started a slow improvement. The pickup in the economy is expected to push, though, mortgage rates higher that we will have to wait and see. Stocks have surged the past couple of days on great jobs data. The Dow Jones Industrial rose 3.1% last Friday, and the S&P 500 is down just 1.1% for all of 2020. And the NASDAQ hit a record high. In New York City, how does reopening the city's economy progress? Well, an analyst from Think IQ found the city's finance sector won't regain its lost jobs until 2026. In New York City, Mayor de Blasio and property owners are squaring off their fighting over property taxes, and New Yorkers are scrambling to find summer alternatives to the Hamptons as the summer is beginning. Uh, So my special guest today is, as I said at the top of the show, Andreas Escobar. He is one of the most prolific talents on the interior design scene. Throughout the years, he has lent his expertise to New York City's top businesses in the commercial, retail, restaurant, hospitality, airport, and residential sectors. Andreas' achievements stand out because he brings a sensitivity to each project and because he builds mutual collaboration with each client from the start of the creative process. A testament to his exceptional talent, he has won the most prestigious and coveted prizes in the industry. He is a great friend to the show, and we are happy to have him back today. Andreas, thank you so much for joining us today. Sorry about the technical problems this morning, but we are in reboot, and we're up and running. Good to see you, my friend. How are you? Very good. Thank you, Vince. Thank you for having me on the show today. So before we get started, I just wanted to ask you, since we've been in this pandemic now for almost three months, uh, where have you been in quarantine? Uh, Have you left the city or are you still in New York City? No, actually, the uh, 12th of March, I left New York and I came to Montreal and I've been in my home ever since and I've been working remotely. That's right. Uh, Montreal, I keep forgetting that. So you're able to keep up with the uh, whatever activity is needed here in New York City. So on that line, what what activity has been continuing since we've been uh, in lockdown? Pretty much everything stays as normal. We haven't really faced any decrease in work or in communication with our clients. Uh, the vast majority of our clients adopted very quickly to the Zoom, to the Teams, to the WebEx, and so on and so forth. So we've been 
in contact communication. And uh, my staff in New York is also have been uh, working uh, remotely from their own homes uh, since the 13th of March. And uh, I could likely say that everyone on my team, whether it's in Canada or in the United States, are safe and sound. They're in uh, very good spirits and everybody is actually working as hard as before. Do you see in the future coming up, like most other businesses uh, on the commercial side, uh, outside of the residential, do you see um, an end game with regard to reopening your offices in both Montreal and in New York? Uh, And if so, uh, are you putting plans in place to keep the social distancing and uh, the face mask and all of the COVID-19 parameters in place? How difficult do you think that's going to be? Well, we actually have a plan and we have a committee that basically is studying ways to try to limit the exposure and to have that distancing. But what we have discovered over the past three months, actually, is that a lot of people enjoy very much uh, working from their own homes. And uh, what we anticipate is that a certain amount of people will request working from home and we're open to that uh, new reality. Uh, Also for us, especially in the Montreal offices where we have close to 350 people, we um, anticipate that we will probably have maybe 60% of the people who want to come back, perhaps a little less, but um, the there will be sanitizing stations, there will be partitionings, there will be a distancing between cubicles. Uh, we have actually a very large office in uh, in Montreal. We occupy close to 100,000 square feet. In the New York office, is much smaller, but again, our uh, team is slightly more reduced. So we will also anticipate that some of these people may continue working home from home and we would come to meetings when it is uh, required. Uh, for example, one of my architects uh, has a, a site meeting today, and he actually came from uh, New Jersey to be in the meeting uh, in Midtown. Got it. All right, let's get into some of the technical um, aspects of your business as an architect designer. You are really involved with all of the pre-planning, you know, with all of the discussions that go on with developers in these new buildings. We're going to talk a little bit later on in the hour uh, about the projects that you're working on in New York City, including including some of the Halstead projects uh, that you're working on. But, you know, there's always controversy around this. As early as the 1870s, New Yorkers began to protest the loss of light and air as taller residential buildings began to appear in Manhattan. Now, this goes back to 1870s, which I was kind of surprised when I read this. In response, though, the state legislator enacted a series of height restrictions on residential buildings culminated, culminating in the tenant, uh, Tenement House Act of 1901. And interestingly, back in those days, You know, the buildings were not that tall. Today, is there any new law that prohibits tall buildings from shading, let's use Central Park, for example, or is that just something that, you know, neighborhood watch people get excited about? But is there a law in place to protect that shading? Yeah, to respond to the Tenement uh, House Act of 1901, essentially the buildings, and uh, you will be, you're familiar with some of the buildings in, in Thompson Street, so on and so forth, and they had something that it was called uh, the dumbbell shape, meaning that they have kind of like a, uh, a well that used to provide lighting in the middle of the buildings. And they, this basically, this law that it was enacted was primarily to provide better lighting, be- better ventilation, uh, indoor bathrooms, and uh, they actually... Uh, made that the buildings will have better outdoor facing windows in every room and uh, and, and, and have a proper ventilation uh, and indoor bathrooms and safeguards. So that was enacted in 1901. Now, in respect to the, the, to, to the buildings, uh, the answer, the short answer is yes. Uh, but there was a loophole in the zoning law and developers were using it to build super tall towers. Right. If I could explain it in a layman terms, the mechanical areas of the building um, were utilized very uh, uh, in a very interesting way by some developers in order to increase the height 
of these mechanical floors and then be able to bring these buildings very, very high, high kind of like right. the building on 57th Street, right. uh, the Project of Excel, and the 432 Park. And um, in 2008, uh, uh, Major, Major de Blasio asked the Department of City of Planning to examine the excessive voids used to, to raise residential tower heights. Um, currently, mechanical voids are not counted as a zoning floor area. And essentially what they've done is they now limit the, the mechanical to a maximum height of about 25 to 30 feet. But that was kind of like, like the loophole. So in, in, in effect, um, some community board members and some um, watchdogs in, uh, for Central Park have complained about the... Um, the shading on the on the great uh, Central Park of New York. Yeah, uh, we've been hearing so much of that from you know people out there just who who live in the city who aren't even involved in real estate. But let me ask you: so zoning really shapes the city, as you were kind of alluding to, and it determines the size and the use of buildings, uh, where they are located and in large measure the densities of the city's diverse neighborhoods. You know, the city really, New York City really is divided into three basic zoning districts. One is residential, two is commercial, and three is manufacturing. You know, how do they differ, uh, Andreas? I mean, obviously, for residential buildings, they may be taller than, say, a manufacturing building or a commercial building, but really, how how do they differ? Well, the R designation for residential districts uh, <clears throat> in New York City account for about 75% of the city zone land area. Okay. Uh, these districts accommodate a variety of residential buildings from single-family homes, yeah. uh, which are more on the outskirts, and uh, soaring towers in Manhattan. All residential districts permit mostly uh, you know, to have some community facility at right. the base of the building. So most of these residential buildings have schools, houses of worship, and medical facilities. Lower-density residential districts like R5 and R1 uh, they're characterized by the by low buildings, moderate and high density residences, districts kind of like R six and R ten, uh, you know, generally found uh, close to the central and regional business districts are usually mapped in proximity to mass transit. So the difference from the R one R five versus R six to R ten is the size of the actual buildings. Then the C designation, which is commercial activities in the city of, Mont the city of New York, um, are basically, um, uh, they, they're basically allowed to have a small retail such as shops in the C and C2 districts. Uh, and um, they serve the immediate needs of the surrounding residential communities. Larger stores with more goods and services are found in C4 districts, C5, and C6 districts. Uh, central business districts that serve the city, the, the, the region, and the nation are mapped in Midtown, Lower Manhattan, Downtown Brooklyn, and Long Island City. These districts, these districts serve uh, a specific purpose. C3 for waterfront recreation, C7 for amusement, and C8 for heavily repair shops and automobiles. So basically, the zoning law, you know, you, you actually got to look at what the designation is, and that will allow you to kind of like determine the size and the usage and the amount of um, uh, residential on this type of denomination. The M manufacturing, which is usually uh, what they call industrial usage, uh, M1, M2, M3, uh, they are, they pre, you know, certain retails like in M1 districts in the City Planning Commission require a special permit. However, many retail and service uses as well as hotel and motels are prohibited in M2 and M3 districts. So basically the way that the zoning works is obviously you're trying to maintain the, uh, the, 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 <clears throat> the type of district denomination. So residential is purely residential, commercial allows for some residential and obviously some um, uh, retail inclusion in the in, in these areas. And 
for the most part, manufacturing uh, zoning districts are primarily used for manufacturing and uh, and that's basically how it works. But there are also designated zoning districts uh, which are considered special districts and they're called the C district. Well, they, they have different denominations. They have, for instance, a special coastal district uh, which was designated for uh, areas that are, you know, exceptional risk of flooding. There's a special district in the city of Island, in City Island District, uh, in Long Island, in the Long Island Sound. There's another one, a special district uh, in uh, in 125th Street in Harlem, which basically is designated as a major arts, entertainment destination, and regional business district. There is the special College Point District. And finally, there is uh, what's called the Special Bay Street Corridor District, uh, which was created between Staten Island, uh, St. George, and um, uh, basically the, is, is, is to be able to be more pedestrian friendly and uh, give the opportunity for additional housing in the, on the North Shore. All right. <clears throat> so with that, we have to take a break. Good Morning New York is just getting underway on this Tuesday morning. We will get right back to you after these messages, so don't go away. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Hi, this is James Nelson. I'm a huge fan of Vince's show, and I'd like to invite you all now to listen to my show on the Voice America Network, Real Estate Investing, live from New York. I will teach you everything you need to know about investing and operating commercial real estate. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of TV and radio shows that deal with investing in the stock market, and yet almost none that cover exclusively commercial real estate. This is not a get-rich-quick or how-to-flip-home shows. I will teach you step-by-step how to source, acquire, improve, and profit from commercial real estate. Please tune in live to the Voice America Business Channel every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern and 4 p.m. Pacific. Thank you. At Halstead, we know that what moves you is important. We're all about the power of transformation. We're revolutionizing the way people live and work. We are agents of change. We are the deal makers. We are the fearless negotiators. We are the future builders. So you can move to what moves you. I'm Jeff Goodman at Halstead, and I love Vince's show. I host a program of my own, but not about real estate. Rediscovering New York is about our city's great neighborhoods, their history, texture, and their current vibe through interviews with historians, business owners, and interesting neighborhood personalities. We're broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc and available on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcasts. Rediscovering New York with Jeff Goodman. I bring the city's great neighborhoods to life. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody, we are back, and I'm talking to Andreas Escobar. And joining us uh, in this segment is Anna Shagala from Halstead, and uh, Tracy Hammersley will be right along from Douglas Elliman. Andrea, so, you know, uh, in all of these conversations, you know, how difficult is it to convert a commercial building? I mean, we hear a lot about new, new developments uh, out there in the, in the uh, Manhattan and, and New York City marketplace, but how difficult is it to convert a commercial building into a residential building for residential development purposes? I mean, we, again, a lot of people think of just new builds and new structures, but there are a lot of older residential buildings and then older commercial buildings that get refurbished. How difficult is it to do that? 
Well, it's not really a, a difficult tip per se, but it is, it requires certain considerations. Um, we need to determine what is the residential equivalent and how much residential area will be permitted. So that has to be done first. Right. Um, also, you have to determine the existing building floor to see how you're going to be planning these residential units. Is it feasible? How far are the windows from the core? If the windows are, let's say, 50 feet from the core, it makes it very difficult. If the building is more of a rectangular shape and your distance from the window to the core is, let's say, 30, 40 feet, it makes it a lot easier. And we have to make sure uh, that, that, that these units will comply with the code. Um, you have to evaluate whether or not the elevators and the stairs are adequate. Um, the older stairs may not meet code and may require to be reframed and changed. Uh, what is the floor-to-floor -floor elevation? How, what, meaning, how high? What are the heights inside of the units? Uh, do you keep the exterior? Is the exterior in good shape? Is it, so if the building is landmark, obviously you have to keep the exterior. Um, it, it also depends in what neighborhood and what address you're at. Um, the mechanical systems you may require to just completely redo them. Also, the structural system. If you were to take a building and you want to put an addition, you have to evaluate whether or not the building is sound to be able to support additional, uh, you know, bearing weights into the into the building. And ultimately, is the return on the investment. Uh, you know, the, the, the developer has to be able to evaluate all these various um, conditions and based on that determine whether or not it's worth doing all this work. Uh, ultimately. Some of these buildings, once you do the analysis, is probably worth, it's not worth maintaining the existing building. And that's why sometimes you see them being taken down and then you start from, from scratch. So let me ask you this. So when you do do that, when you do take a commercial building that was only commercial, commercially zoned at one point and you convert it to a residential, is there a portion of that building that can remain commercially zoned or does it all have to convert to residential? No, I think it, it will apply to what I said before. It, 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 you know, project to project, it varies. Again, okay. it depends on the area where you're at. Um, it depends uh, on the what zoning uh, district you're located. Um, so, but essentially, every project has a, a zoning specialist. New York has two or three that they call so-called zoning gurus, and they <clears throat> that will be the first person that a developer will go to to do an in-depth zoning analysis and based on their feedback and their, 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 their findings, then you start moving forward. So I don't think that any developer just out of whim just decides that they're going to. It's actually before they even acquire the property and before they even uh, finalize their deal, they are going to do all these due diligence that would allow them to determine whether or not the building is, is worthy of uh, this conversion. Yeah. All right. So moving on, unused development rights are often referred to as air rights. And a lot of people always have lots of questions about air rights when we are selling new condo developments. You know, one of my specialties uh, is new condo development sales. I've spent, you know, 13, 14 years doing mostly just that. The Florida area ratio is the principal bulk regulation <clears throat> controlling the size of the building. So FAR is the ratio of total building floor area to the area of its zoning lot. How are air rights determined, Andreas, you know, and how are they bought, how are they sold, and how are they managed? Because again, it's a topic of conversation no matter when there's a new development. People look out the window and say, hey, is that small building gonna be built up, et cetera. How are they managed? Well, again, this is all part of the, um, uh, the, 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 the investigation and the due diligence that developers will do. There's really two types of um, um, air rights, and one in particular is called the zoning lot merger, meaning that there are adjacent lots, and the you would um, reach out to the owners of the building that you perceive to have unused uh, development rights, and you could actually, through your attorneys and through your zoning analysis, you could actually... Uh, make an offer to buy that additional 
air rights and you will be able to put them on top of your existing building. So that's one way. Uh, there's much more complicated, you know, uh, uh, zoning uh, or merger of lots. And that's what a lot of developers call an assembly. And then it becomes a very complicated process. But a simpler, a simple example is the zoning lot merger. So basically the building that is beside you maybe has unused uh, uh, you know, air rights and you buy them and you put them on top of your building. The other one is a transfer of development rights which allows <clears throat> the transfer of unused development rights from one zoning law to another in limited circumstances. For instance, if there is, a, 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 for instance, a, a, a landmark building or a house of worship or you may be able to transfer those air rights even if the two buildings don't have an adjacency. So that is really typically the two most likely cases of how you could utilize or purchase uh, these uh, particular uh, air rights. So in the transfer of development rights, which is really uh, you know, limited to some historical buildings, uh, then you could actually transfer these uh, with a special permit from the zoning. Let me ask you this, because people ask me, like I said, when I'm representing new development, they look out the window and they always are concerned about buildings next door, buildings across the street, et cetera. Where can you know consumers search for air rights, for available air rights, if they see a low-rise building, for example, out the window of a beautiful uh, new condo development, where can they find these air rights? Or, or, or what could happen to a particular building that's in that vicinity? Well, they're actually, uh, is, this is available uh, on privately and, and publicly, but there are uh, areas like Sola Maps, Oasis Maps, Tax Maps, and the New York Building Department. Um, it is really up to the owner and the developer and land use attorney to negotiate, uh, uh, investigate, buy and sell these air rights. So it's, uh, as I said, this is something that happens uh, in the inception of the project. So there's a lot of um, investigation that takes place in order to determine what's available. Uh, but but it is uh, uh, it, there's a there's a way to obtain these through like I said solar maps oasis maps tax maps and the New York building department. Got it. All right, listen, we're going to take another break. We'll come back after these messages. Uh, this is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Hi, this is James Nelson. I'm a huge fan of Vince's show, and I'd like to invite you all now to listen to my show on the Voice America Network, Real Estate Investing, live from New York. I will teach you everything you need to know about investing and operating commercial real estate. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of TV and radio shows that deal with investing in the stock market, and yet almost none that cover exclusively commercial real estate. This is not a get-rich-quick or how-to-flip-home shows. I will teach you step-by-step how to source, acquire, improve, and profit from commercial real estate. Please tune in live to the Voice America Business Channel every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern and 4 p.m. Pacific. Thank you. At Halstead, we know that what moves you is important. We're all about the power of transformation. We're revolutionizing the way people live and work. We are agents of change. We are the deal makers. We are the fearless negotiators. We are the future builders. So you can move to what moves you. I'm Jeff Goodman at Halstead, and I love Vince's show. I host a program of my own, but not about real estate. Rediscovering New York is about our city's great neighborhoods, their history, texture, and their current vibe through interviews with historians, business owners, and interesting neighborhood personalities. We're broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc and available on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcasts. Rediscovering New York with Jeff Goodman. I bring the city's great neighborhoods to life. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody, we are back. And before we get back to Anna Shagalov and Andreas uh, Escobar, a word from our sponsor. Right now, everyone is spending most of their days on social media. It's a perfect time for real estate brokers to get in front of their sphere of influence. Very Social is here to help you engage your audience sensitively yet powerfully. You do not need to go silent or to be serious, but rather be empathetic and think of the needs of your customers. It's not business as usual for anyone right now, so we recommend emphasize the personal connection of social media and engage your audience with messages of compassion and have fun with it. Very Social can help you create a plan of action to post timely, meaningful content on your behalf. We are offering a free consultation. When you mention this show, Good Morning New York Real Estate, be very social, be part of the conversation. For more information, you can reach them at we are at verysocialnyc.com. That is we are at verysocialnyc.com or call them at 561-405-909, rather, 45. That is 561-405-0945. And we are back with Andreas Escobar. And Anna Shagalov is joining us today. Anna, you had a question for Andreas? I did. Um, good morning or good afternoon, everyone. Um, so my question is, what about those those buildings that have capped air rights, but the lot is a substantial enough lot that when you take the building down, you can push it back and then build that FAR further up. Do you know what I mean? So if, um, if, a, if, if a developer wants a taller building, they just use maybe half the lot or they put like an outdoor space in the back or in the front. Um, is there a cap to what they can do there and how do they determine how, how high up they can go then? Yeah, there's always a cap, but but um, you see, architects could determine the available rights uh, alongside uh, um, the other consultants. And what 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 they what you referring probably is what they call an outdoor courtyard that is for the use of the public. Uh, this was used extensively in many buildings in Manhattan, where basically you actually create a park. Uh, that is accessible to the um, uh, to the public. It is maintained by the by the uh, developer, and uh, it gives them a certain amount of uh, negotiation uh, to increase or to utilize their their uh, additional FAR. But again, all this is is determined uh, by the attorneys and by the zoning consultant, and uh, and and, and uh, it, it was. Widely used mainly in office buildings. I believe if you look at a lot of the buildings, uh, for instance, for example, there's a one building that, that comes to mind right on 49th between uh, Broadway and, um, sorry, between uh, 6th and 7th Avenue, uh, where they have actually a beautiful park that is gated and then they open it up in the morning, they close it up at a certain time, and basically the developer just maintains it and it gives them a certain latitude to negotiate their rights. So, be, so the reason I ask that is because you know, it, oftentimes when we're selling, when we're reselling apartments in existing buildings, um, and the view is of say um, a lot, a parking lot, or or sh- a lower, shorter building, that you know people are just worried that it's going to get knocked down and built up, and they're going to lose their um, their view. So, so can a developer use all of the as of right? Um, FAR, but on a taller scale, pushed back, or does that do, does it recalculate the uh, the FAR? No, uh, 
Uh, I, you know, it's kind of hard to answer because there's a lot of uh, permutations to the uh, to the to the to the different buildings and zoning and areas in Manhattan. So it requires a really a, 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 a you know a zoning uh, in depth zoning analysis, and you could always do it. And uh, but it's it's hard to uh, anticipate, and and sometimes we assume that there are buildings beside you that they still have a new air rights, but in fact, they were probably already purchased before. So you're concerned that somebody's going to build, put up a building in front of your building and block the, the view. That's one of the concerns. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, can, can somebody assume that whatever the FAR is on, you know, property shark or whatever, we're looking up to see what that lot um, can do. It, 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 so it shouldn't just be assumed that that, that FAR can be used vertically rather than taking up the lot it would have to be completely rezoned and yeah but you probably heard the term the term lot line windows yes yes of course. okay so so you see lot line windows basically triggers a bit of um concern because what that means is that um, those windows are temporary so those windows eventually right. somebody decide to develop this the adjacent site that window will disappear and and technically um when you do a lot line window you usually has a sprinkler head right in front of it and eventually uh you will definitely lose that view um in order to determine whether there are the buildings across the street that may be able to build well you really need to go into those uh um, um, <clears throat> um methods through the through the new york buildings apartment and reassess and 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 and, and, a, and, a, and a zoning attorney and a zoning mm-hmm. consultant will be able to give you that information mm-hmm. and let me ask okay. you this because you're asking really good questions here and are you are you um fielding these questions from buyers when you take them to new developments are buyers very concerned about as andrea said lot line windows air rights how much can be built how much not can be built because I get these questions on a regular basis yeah. as, you know, the on-site person, you know, uh, explaining all this. Do you get this from buyers, you know, either before, during, or after a visit to a new condo building? Yeah. I mean, usually during, um, there's, you know, in, in areas like Hudson Yards or, um, you know, further south where new neighborhoods are actually emerging, where there used to be parking lots or um, or unused lots or garages or things like that that are now being re um repurposed for residential use people you know don't really know when there are several high-rises going on you know the same thing happened say in um in williamsburg where all those high-rises went up along the river but they're selling off the the you know the, the ones that are further back before they build the ones that may block the view um because the you know they're they're going to be more valuable before anything's built, but there's a hesitation to um, buy something like that when you really don't know what you're going to be looking at afterwards. So it's really whether you're buying in a new development that is looking on another site, or you're buying in a resale that's looking on a site that looks like it could be developed at some point. Um, it would be nice for us as realtors to be able to look on. Street easy, not street easy. Sorry, um, property shark or property whatever shark, yeah. site, and and see what the you know what the potential might be. Um, but we, but I, I never know whether you know it, whether you can actually use the numbers that they're saying um, <clears throat> factually, um, and you know to say well we don't really know because they need to assess. It just kind of um, feeds their doubts. Yeah, so. I, I'm representing a building on the Upper East Side, and right out of our um, south windows, which is the entire you know side of the building, we have a very low rise on Second Avenue, uh, maybe six or seven uh, tenement buildings that uh, the tall co-op building right behind it apparently years ago purchased the air rights over those tenement buildings. So. In effect, the building that I'm selling is protected from a light and an obstruction point of view because the air rights are purchased and um, no one can build upon those tenement buildings. And even if there were a fire or they got thrown down for whatever reason, they can only be built 
up to that height. So, uh, and Andreas, I mean, am I correct in saying that? I mean, we have a document, our attorneys have a document that we send out to the customers who ask for it. But I guess my question is, why would someone sell their air rights like that? Uh, and two, I mean, if it, if it hinders further development down the road where they may be able to sell the whole lot for a hell of a lot more money, correct? Well, it all comes down to the good old American dollar. <laughs> correct. That's my thinking. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, but but I think that the, 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 what you're describing is actually comforting for the for the people that are asking you that question. Yes. Because yeah. In fact, you know, it's necessary. Rights, it's absolutely those, necessary. But it's a, it's a rights are already rare. being sold, and they cannot be reutilized. So you cannot really, like what you said, if there's something were to happen, they would have to build something that is equal to what is there right now. Yeah. Uh, Andreas, so how is your, how is your firm uh, dealing with the COVID-19, um, I guess, change of life, as I call it, going forward? Are you guys in discussions with future developers or current developers who you're working with to put in place, you know, things that relate to COVID-19 uh, for, you know, social distancing? Should this happen again? Or is it something that you guys really aren't addressing at the moment because there really isn't a need to address and I don't even know what you would be addressing to be to, to be very honest with you except maybe the amenity areas and buildings well you know what there are certain considerations uh, that that we would actually would like to see happening um, but uh, depending on the stage of the prod project uh, some of the developers will hold uh, on what they're doing. Um, some of them may adapt to it and they're receptive to it, depending again on the stage of the product or the project. Uh, and some of them are kind of like monitoring the situation and they will adapt accordingly. I really believe that every development project should, <clears throat> we have an opportunity to, to address some of those concerns and and I, and, I, and I think that this is something that I've discussed with several people in the past is how do you make your, your, your space and your buildings better? Um, and, uh, and it relates to also the type of building, especially in a new construction. If you're starting a new, a new, a new project, you could definitely um, uh, <clears throat> provide better air quality in a building, which is very important. And you see that mainly in buildings that are like LEED certified or, 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 or green. And um, it helps an awful lot because uh, the, the air quality of the building is probably the most, the most important aspect of it. Then you actually have to look at how do you um, utilize the common areas, as you said, like the amenities. And I think that that would be from a from a developer to a developer. We will definitely have these discussions. And um, um, when I said you're going to be monitoring the situation, we, we don't really know how people are going to react. And, and right now we're dealing, we're in the middle of the pandemic. We don't have a, a vaccine. And once the vaccine comes in, like, are we going to go back to, to normal? Are, are people tend to forget fairly quickly uh, once there is some sort of... Uh, solution uh, but but I believe the building should be uh, better designed um, the the spaces have to be more intelligently managed and uh, we should be able to provide uh, especially in the residential market uh, um, in the planning stages not just the kitchen and the bathrooms but also, where do you work? Like most of the people, all of us kind of like found ourselves um, out of the blue having to come up with working areas within your apartment and depending right. on the size of your apartment, how do you do it? It's mixed shift. So it was not planned and it was not part of the, of the planning of, this, uh, of these units. And I think that we should have this as not unlike having a closet or a storage space I mean, you don't really need a big space, and especially with the technology of today that we have all these, you know, computers and tablets, and we could actually work even from our phones. Uh, all right, we're, we, 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 we are out of time on this segment, but we will come back for our last segment right after these messages, guys, so don't go away. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
At Halstead, we know that what moves you is important. We're all about the power of transformation. We're revolutionizing the way people live and work. We are agents of change. We are the deal makers. We are the fearless negotiators. We are the future builders. So you can move to what moves you. I'm Jeff Goodman at Halstead, and I love Vince's show. I host a program of my own, but not about real estate. Rediscovering New York is about our city's great neighborhoods, their history, texture, and their current vibe through interviews with historians, business owners, and interesting neighborhood personalities. We're broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc and available on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcasts. Rediscovering New York with Jeff Goodman. I bring the city's great neighborhoods to life. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody, we are back, segment four here. So, Andreas, you know, how is your firm dealing with climate change uh, in this world of you know, climate change, you know, on everybody's uh, topic on everybody's mind. What are you guys doing about that? Well, uh, to continue on the on what I was saying before, I, I again, you know, we believe in the efficiency of buildings. Yeah. And um, we like to adhere to a high degree of lead certification on uh, ideally green buildings. And uh, so these buildings obviously, re, you know, uh, um, utilize much less energy uh, the mechanical systems are done in such a way that they will provide you the air quality and the uh, the low VOCs emissions, and uh, also you will utilize your water in a much more efficient manner. Um, so I think that that's the way of the future, and I think that uh, uh, developers should uh, look closely to adhere to this sort of uh, approach. You know, when I'm teaching in real estate school and I'm always telling the students, you know, one of the classes I teach is New Condo Development 101. And we kind of take the course, it's a seven and a half hour course at New York Real Estate Institute. And we take it from, you know, uh, site analysis right through to opening a sales office. And I always say throughout all of the steps of this class or topics, you know, it's sometimes a Herculean effort to get the, the developers to listen to the architects, to listen to the designers and to do what they recommend for, you know, a whole host of reasons. So it's always a challenge. So your point is well taken. Annie had a question. Well, I was just going to say, you know, oftentimes change and progress stems from necessity or something that, that we're going through. So, for example, um, you know, after Hurricane Sandy, everyone started putting generators on their roofs. Either, you know, new developments would add them to the plans or, um, or older buildings would, you know, just add them in general or move them from the basement up to the roof or things like that. So, I mean, other than like air circulation and things like that, I mean, there's got to be some sort of um, amends made to what's happening now. You know, developers can't just ignore it. There's going to, they have to implement something, whether it's, um, I mean, I don't even know. I wouldn't even know what examples to give, but there's whether it's a green building or not i mean is there going to be a difference in or what would the differences be in in the new developments moving forward stemming from all of this well on a battery park city is a perfect example most of the buildings in battery park city they have to have uh, a very high level of lead certification or they have to be green period so this is actually uh, developers cities and the market that's new or that's not i mean because a lot of their buildings have been there no, 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 this is not new. This is an, in, an initiative that started a while back. 
at Battery Park. That's interesting. I didn't know that. So all the buildings in Battery Park are green? Most of the new buildings are. Or they have a high level of, of LEED certification. Yeah, and I think it's just the newer buildings, but the ones that were there from, I guess, the, the day of uh, the, the beginnings of Battery Park yeah. or not, but Andreas' point is well taken. And Andreas, on a personal note, though, so as we wrap up today, where are your favorite spots in New York City? And when you want to have fun, what, what do you think about? Where do you go? Listen, I've been very fortunate. I've been, you know, living, I, I, w- I would say part-time, but uh, but more than part-time in New York City. And I lived in, for a period of time, downtown in Soho and, 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 and Tribeca. And uh, obviously, you get used to the neighborhood. And Oh, yeah. New York is a beautiful city that allows you to just move along and, and get acquainted with all the various areas. So, I mean, I love New York. All the neighborhoods are very appealing to me. I uh, moved from Soho to the to Midtown, and, and I enjoy very much Midtown. Uh, the, 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 the city has such a diversity of opportunities, uh, outdoor parks, uh, even walking through some of the smaller streets, uh, great restaurants, yeah. um, great museums. Um, there's really... Uh, theater. Uh, New York is an unbelievable, uh, I, I, you know, it's kind of like uh, my way of thinking is when you love New York, you love New York. And I really don't find anything that bothers me. Actually. I, I love everything about it. Yeah, there's In something fact, for everyone. Uh, I've, been, I've been cooked up for three months and uh, you know, I can't wait to get back. Oh my God, you and me and everybody else here. You know, it's it's interesting because, you know, you're right. I mean, New York is really representative of, you know, the diverse people who live in it, the melting pot of people who come to this town. Look, whether it's uptown, whether it's downtown, whether it's Soho East Village, you know, West Village, every place represents something different. And I think that's, you know, to your point, Andreas, I mean, that's what people like. I live on the Upper West Side, you know, what I've prefer to live downtown, sure. But when I want to go out and have fun and do some stuff, I tend to head downtown because there's so much more to do. East Village, Anna can go on and on for a whole show on, on the stuff. <laughs> the Lower East Side. Yeah, yeah, yeah the I'm Lower East Side. Me. I mean, there is just so much going on downtown. So yeah, after being sequestered, as I say, or isolated for three months uh, by the time this is finished, I think a lot of people are going to get back. And I'm one who thinks that you know, because of everything we've gone through the past couple of months, maybe real estate doesn't, you know, light on fire immediately, but it will. But initially, I think people are going to be so excited to be back just because of what we all said. Uh, And no matter where they were bunkering down, there's a big difference. I mean, back home, you know, in the in the in the town that we all call, you know, our city, our, our, our place of choice. I can't imagine being bunkered down anywhere, in, you know, in isolation out in the country where there's not a neighbor in sight. You can, you don't see a single person. No. So I'm happy to have stayed in the city th- during all of this. I've enjoyed it, actually. <laughs> yeah, no, I will, because but first of all, it's a much different uh, uh, experience. And, you know, we, we New Yorkers need to hear and see and do everything. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that is our broadcast for today. Thanks for joining us. You can follow me on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, at Vince Rocco. Thank you to Anna Shagalov. And always to Andreas Escobar, stay home, stay safe, stop the spread, and be kind to one another. Keep your eye on the stars, but keep your feet on the ground. For all of us here at Voice America, all around the world, thanks for joining us today, and I will see you next time. Good luck and be well, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones.